It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN. It is a Wednesday. It is one of those kinds of days when you look outside, it looks like, wow, it's, a, it's really nice out there. And then you walk out there and it's not really quite as nice. No. But, but it's pretty at least. So it's picturesque. It's one of those bait and switches. Oh, for sure. On a day like today. Because you're right. You look outside and you're like, wow, it should be like 50 or 60 degrees outside and the snow is melting rapidly. Mm-hmm. And then you go outside and you're like, yeah, I need the coat. Well, and, and that's deceiving. When we say what it looks like out here, when you're looking, even if you've not been in the KRVN studios, we are looking at about 90% of the window is a big bush. And so what we're seeing out is, uh, what do you think, Bob? Maybe about five inches of uh, actual above the bush right now. I would say that's pretty close. Yeah. So that's when we look out our KRV and AccuWeather window, there's not a lot to see. And part of that five inches is an antenna. Oh, from where you're looking at? Yes. Yeah, it absolutely. Antenna. So that's we, a very good point. We do have one other window here, but it's almost unsee outable. Yeah, it's not good. Okay. All right. Anyway, so that's uh, those are the voices of uh, Brandon Bennett and Bob Brogan here. We also have Susan Littlefield with us. She is in San Antonio right now. She gives us a report. Well, thanks, Scott. We've moved over now to the convention hall where Commodity Classic is going to be getting underway. And we'll be getting reports as the week goes on from those movers and shakers in the grain industry. Well, here's what's coming up from us. Uh, started off at 1219. Alan Vanalek is going to join me as we talk about estate planning. There's a meeting that's taking place next week in Central City at the fairgrounds. And he's going to talk about the issues that are hard to discuss. And that's planning for the future after you're gone. Shaley Peters will step in with 1245 as a women Women in Ag feature. Last week, the Women in Ag conference took place in Kearney. And then at 117, we're going to hear from the folks at Farmers National about what's been going on with land markets as they look at last year into this year. So that's the midweek for the midday from the farm team. All right. Thank you so much, Susan. She's in San Antonio. She was in Tampa last week. Uh, I got to go to Brady last night. So, uh, you know, it's, membership has its privileges. Because you got that kind of money. That's true. That's right. That's Brandon Bennett's What's going on today in sports? The sixth-ranked University of Nebraska Kearney wrestling team will once again host the NCAA Super Regional Championships. This time, it's this Saturday, February the 29th at the Health and Sports Center in Kearney. Head coach, or former head wrestling coach, and now, of course, athletic director Mark Bauer will give us a little preview of that 10-team double elimination tournament. The NFL has moved a little closer to some labor piece, although though it does include a 17-game schedule. So get ready to rewrite all the record books because as if you know passing wasn't already enough of a record that kept getting broken every year, allowing quarterbacks one more game to pass is going to add to the record books. And uh, there's some dissension among the players because the executive committee voted it down. Mm. But the players themselves might vote it up. We'll talk about that more. They'd like the money for sure. All right, very good. We'll turn it over to Bob Brogan. Stocks finally showing up in the green today. Folks who want to take risks are back in the market. Stocks rose solidly in trading as investors regained an appetite for risk after two days of heavy losses. The sharp drops, which wiped out the market's gains for the year, were brought on by worries over economic fallout from the virus outbreak that uh, was uh, that originated in China. So we're still trying to solve that, um, working on other things. Also, sales of new homes jumping nearly 8% in January to the fastest pace in more than 12 years, one of the best uh, investments on Earth, All houses. Right. That's right. Very good. Well, we uh, will find out more as we get more of midday coming up. 
Well, it's time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in here in studio with me as we get to about a quarter till noon here. And uh, boy, I tell you, I mentioned this on Roundtable. It's one of those days that looks really uh, picturesque out and you get outside. It's still a little chilly, though. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, still temperatures have uh, been on the chilly side, especially as you go to the snow-covered areas of West Central Nebraska to about the northwestern half of Kansas, and you can, if you get a satellite photo and in, in, um, have visible satellite photo out today, take a look at it. You're going to see a very well defined line of snow cover for, along and west of a line from Ainsworth to Broken Bow, Lexington, and Phillipsburg, where there's a lot of snow to the west of that line, and then that snow a lot more scattered to the east of it, because uh, with the visible satellite photo. It picks up the white on the ground, so that's mm. reflecting, since there's no clouds in the air, it's reflecting back from the snow. And a lot of snow cover, once again, along and west of a line from Ainsworth to Broken Bow, Lexington, and Phillipsburg. And then this really well-defined thin line of snow from Phillipsburg into about the in-between Ellsworth and Salina in north-central Kansas. And that was where we did see that snow band set up yesterday that had about 5 to 10 inches of snow from about Cozad to Elwood and down through Beaver City and uh, the Edison area, also towards Phillipsburg to just near Salina and Ellsworth. And that's where we saw about 5 to 9 inches of snow because a line of snow just set up and just didn't move in that area. If you live in Osborne, uh County in Kansas. That's uh, that's that's that area right there where you got about half of the county has snow and the other half has nothing. Exactly. Yeah. You just go a little more to the east or west of that line. There's the snow just cuts off. It looks like it's a little smokes uh, stack there. But uh, temperatures much cooler in those snow covered areas right now. On into the 20s, still low and mid 20s in much of west central Nebraska. On into northwest Kansas. The temperatures to the east of that line. Once again, Ainsworth, Broken Bow, Lexington, and Phillips to the east of that line, those temperatures more so in the upper 20s to low 30s right now. Our temperatures today, the coolest of the next seven, as we will be about 5 to 10 degrees below normal. High pressure builds from the west to keep it sunny today with some westerly winds, but those westerly winds off that snow cover also cutting down on any warm-up that we usually see with some westerly downslope winds. Cloud cover on the increase for tonight through early tomorrow as we see the passage of a trough of low pressure. Flurries and sprinkles will be possible with that trough of low pressure uh, passage in the central and east tomorrow. Despite some passing clouds, temperatures though getting back to more seasonal levels. Northwest winds will be stronger as some high pressure builds in quickly behind that trough of low pressure. Friday through the weekend looking very good. Dry and temperatures much warmer than normal when a ridge of high pressure builds onto the plains. Small chances of precipitation are back in the forecast Sunday night through Tuesday. The temperatures though should still be on the seasonably mild side so most if not all of that precipitation likely to fall as light rain especially during the day the milder temperatures should continue in our long term today's long-term forecast calls for warmer than normal temperatures monday through the 10th of march for nebraska kansas and the eastern two-thirds of the u.s above normal precipitation is forecast for nebraska and kansas monday through the 10th especially the early half of next week key weather factors driving the markets include chances for continued heavy precipitation in the Midwest and Delta and varying conditions in South America.
America just ahead of spring field work. Eastern Midwest fields will remain saturated from moderate to heavy rain and snow the rest of this week. Another system could bring heavy rain and some snow early next week with another possible late next week. The western Midwest will be drier and warmer to ease their wet soil conditions. The Delta will be drier for the next few days, but one and possibly two storms next week threaten to bring another round of heavy rain with the potential of flooding. Spring field work in the Delta will be off to a slow start with the consistently wet weather. In the southern plains, recent rain and snow improved the soil moisture supplies. Another system could bring rain and some snow the early to middle part of next week. Temperatures will be cooler than normal, but not critically cold for the southern plains. In south-central Brazil, some shower activity will benefit crops now in the filling stage in northern Brazil's major growing areas. Scattered rain will continue and provide beneficial moisture for newly planted second crop corn. All right. Well, you know, I mentioned earlier, our weather has been so good during the weekend. It looks like we're going to have another nice one. Uh, we just decided to add a day to the month. Wasn't that nice of it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The you, I always wondered why they didn't add that extra day in the summer when it's nicer and warmer True, but, and, and then during the winter month. But looks like we're going to actually gonna be a, a plus this time around. <laughs> Leap day is going to be a good one to remember. So, all right. Thank you very much, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather tab, krvn.com. It's a discussion folks don't like to have. That's farm succession and ranch succession and transition. What are you going to do after you're gone? Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. An opportunity to get that conversation started is going to take place on March 2nd at the Merritt County Ag Building at the fairgrounds there in Central City. Gets underway at 9.30. I caught up with Alan Vanalik. He's a UNL Extension educator for farm succession. He's presenting at this meeting and helps you find ways to get that conversation started. Talk kind of centers on the idea that uh, why don't we have a plan in place? Um, are we going to retire? And most farmers have no intention of retiring, but that's not the point. The point is um, you can you don't have to retire. I'm not trying to guilt anybody into that. I'm trying to get everybody to understand that uh, we haven't been able to avoid the demise. We haven't been able to avoid end of life. That still happens, and so let's have a plan for that. What happens to our stuff when we're gone? Let's put a plan in place. That's the kickoff of my talk. Then I'll talk about some mistakes families make by not having a good plan in place and some assumptions they make that can turn out wrong. And then uh, some other things with uh, family communications, finding family dynamics. That's my talk. And then we turn it over to a lawyer. And uh, in the case of Central City, I'm bringing on a lawyer from Columbus, Tom Perringer, and he'll talk about the estate planning basics, uh, what kind of documents you need to have in place, uh, what those documents look like, what they cover, and uh, he'll answer questions. The main thing Tom does is says, he just says, you know, I could give you two hours of lawyer legalese, but I really what I want to do is answer questions. So please just tell me what your questions are. He'll write them up on a board, and then he'll just answer the questions. That's how he spends his time. So it really is user friendly, and we truly try to give people some good information. You know, there's some hard hitting questions that are going to be thrown at these folks when they attend. Really getting them to think about what they're going to need to do in order to move forward. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, the point is, uh, get a plan in place, do it well. And, uh, you know, what I'm finding is that people don't want to do a plan because they're afraid they're going to make a mistake. They're afraid somewhere down in the future their family plans or family dynamics will change. Somebody has a divorce or there's an untimed death. Uh, and so uh, we're trying to say, no, go ahead and do a plan anyway. And if something changes in your family, then be uh, prepared to make a change. Uh, a change will be a few hundred dollars with a lawyer, 
not having a plan could be a mistake worth tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars with the lawyers. So, or with you with your estate. So, uh, don't be afraid to make a mistake. Uh, don't be afraid to do a wrong plan. You can always fix it later. And I think, and in, in for some, Alan, it's it's a thought of if you start talking about this with your family, it sounds like one, you're thinking about quitting, or two, you're going to die tomorrow. Yeah, some people are afraid of that. They just want to think about their demise. They just don't want to think about death. I get that. But uh, let's have a plan in place. I mean, um, what I'm running into is consequences, uh, you know, unintended consequences. That's what I run into. People think that, uh, you know, I, I recently had a phone call where a grandpa wanted his grandson to, to farm, but when he, he had his machinery titled wrong and it went to his wife and she was just going to sell it because it was all personal property went to my wife. Well, that was not his intent, um, according to other family members. So let's get those intents written right, and uh, that's why we should have. This. That's why people should get going on their plan and have and get to attend a workshop like this to get more information. Again, the Farm and Ranch Succession and Transition Workshop comes up March 2nd. It is running from 9.30 to 3 at the Merritt County Ag Building Fairgrounds there in Central City. It is free to attend, but they do ask if you could register ahead of time just so they have enough handouts and other materials and, of course, lunch as well to feed you. Registration deadline is February 27th by contacting the Merrick County Extension Office. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to check in on sports. Brandon in studio with me. This is an exciting time of year because we start to see district finals come out for a high school basketball. And here locally, it looks like Lexington on Saturday will be traveling to Alliance. So <laughs> nice little quick trip for the Minutemen. Sure. But uh, it is good for them to get in there. We'll see a lot of those settled out in the next couple of days. And, of course, girls on Friday We'll make uh, the winners there. We'll make it to state. So this is just a fun time for prep sports that so many people care about around here. It is, and it's going to be a big one in Kearney Friday night. At the Kearney High School is going to host Chase County Girls and Wahoo oh, County yeah. Girls for the C1A District Championship. A rematch there. from last year from that was last in year. Yeah. yeah, it was in Kearney too, and had a chance to speak with both head coaches. I'm going to do the PA for that at Kearney High, and both head coaches are ready to go. And uh, it's uh, it's a fun time of year, but it's also a sad time of year because, of course, the loser. Is ends that? their season and they get to turn in their jerseys and you know for many of those girls and boys playing right now once you're done you're done playing basketball at least organized for the rest of your life so it's a really special time of year and you get to see you uh, and K signing uh, Miley McNair there for Chase County yeah. so she's be a lot of fun she's a good one too yeah. go ahead this, speaking of you and K the sixth rank Loper wrestling team will host the 2020 NCAA Super Region 6 Championships this Saturday, February the 29th. It's Leap Day the Health and Sports Center. And former head wrestling coach and, of course, now UNK Athletic Director Mark Bauer previews the event. This weekend, we actually are hosting the NCAA Super Region Wrestling Championships right here in the Health and Sports Center. Wrestling begins at 11 o'clock on Saturday. Right now, the wrestling team, they are ranked sixth in the nation. A head coach, Dalton Jensen, has these guys ready to compete in the, in the regional tournament. We've got 10 teams coming in. If they get in the top three, they qualify for the national tournament. And so we're looking forward to hosting a great event this weekend. We hope people come out, cheer on the team, and, and are there to support them. And so we're looking forward to that. This is a little bit of a format change from recent years, just the second year that the NCAA has had six regional championships where the top three made it, compared to what used to be four regions and the top four made it. 
The 10-team double elimination tournament begins at 10 a.m. on Saturday with a final set for 5 p.m. Three mats will be used for the first session and then two mats for the finals. The top three finishers of each of the 10 weight classes advance to the NCAA Division II National Championships set for March 13th and 14th in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. The NFL has perhaps moved one step closer to labor peace for another decade. Player representatives have voted to send a new labor deal approved by the owners to the full player union membership. Simple majority of some 2,000 players must accept the agreement for it to go into effect this year. No immediate word on when that vote will occur. The new collective bargaining agreement calls for a 17-game regular season. That's interesting because here in the middle of all the concerns about uh, – concussions and player protocols and health standards that they would increase the amount of regular season play by a game it's expected to begin in 2021 more roster spots that's good news a shortened preseason which i think everyone is in favor of no one really likes a four-game preseason a higher percentage of revenues for the players upgraded pension for former players that's the most important thing the owners approved it last thursday though not unanimously Now, it seems likely the players will accept this deal, even though the NFL Players Association's own executive committee voted 6-5 to against the contract on Friday. So some perhaps dissension in the ranks. Don't look now, but the 7th-ranked Duke University basketball team on the men's side is struggling to beat in-state opponents. Brandon Childress buried a go-ahead three-pointer on the first possession of double overtime as in-state rival Wake Forest surprised the the Blue Devils. I'll say that right eventually. 113-101, beating the Blue Devils for the first time since March of 2014. And recently, it's been a tough go for the Blue Devils. Of course, they took a 22-point loss at North Carolina State just last week. And a little closer to home, Tri-City Storm defenseman Mitchell Miller has been named the USHL Defenseman of the Week. For the second week in a row in the fourth time this season, Miller is the first player in the USHL this year to win a weekly award four times in Tri-Cities' two home games this past week against Omaha at the Vero Center. Miller scored one goal and provided the Storm offense with two more assists. It's very good. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Some Nebraska lawmakers are expressing shock and outrage that gun owners were allowed to bring loaded, semi-automatic rifles into the state capitol to protest bills that would have imposed new restrictions on gun ownership. Some lawmakers say they viewed the demonstration as an intimidation tactic during a contentious legislative hearing Friday afternoon that drew an estimated 400 protesters. Governor Pete Ricketts isn't concerned. Well, I support our Second Amendment rights, and I support our folks who are going to, you know, take advantage of that with the open carry. I mean, that's what we have here in the state of Nebraska, and this is the people's house. Ricketts was asked whether it was appropriate, given that the open display of guns made some people nervous. Well, I think what you saw was we obviously had some hearings, and people were trying to make a point. But if you come to the Capitol on a regular day, people don't abuse that privilege. You don't see people just walking around the Capitol on a daily basis with, uh, you know, rifles out or anything like that. And so I think that really what you saw on Friday was people trying to make a point how important our Second Amendment rights are, and I agree with those people. But people don't abuse that here in the Capitol. A few of those protesters displayed their guns in the hallways and in a public hearing room, even though the Nebraska Capitol bars people from wielding political signs or props in the building and doesn't allow concealed firearms. The United States Census will arrive once again this year by April 1st, According to recent census information, new demographics will be established by 2040. Palmer Strand, a Creighton University graduate school professor, emphasizes the importance of the census. If people don't have accurate census data, then 
all, all, you know, all of that feeds into our knowledge and understanding of what's happening in the country, you know, in terms of where people are moving, in terms of how rich people are, in terms of you know, not just race and ethnicity. A lot of the data that we use is based on census data. Current census data follows a pattern that highlights multicultural growth in the country, adding that people of color are expected to make up a majority of the United States population in the next quarter century. Senator Matt Williams of Gothenburg says several bills he introduced in the current legislative session have been amended into one bill, LB 909. It includes six bills that came through the banking committee, which he chairs. Five of those are bills that I introduced, including the elder exploitation. So I feel real good about where that's going to be. And that bill, as a reminder, is the bill that will give financial institutions some necessary tools to be able to intervene and help people when there is a reason to believe that financial exploitation is taking it going going on with a senior adult. The elder abuse measure, previously LB 853, authorizes financial institutions to place a hold on transactions when there is a suspicion that a customer might be a victim of financial exploitation. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. Tackling some of the big issues agricultural employers face. I'm Shaley Peters joining you on the Rural Radio Network. And at the recent Women in Ag conference that took place in Kearney, I had a chance to catch up with Katie Samples-Dean. She's an attorney with Samples-Dean Law, LLC. And when you talk about being involved in agriculture as far as an attorney, sometimes that direct connection isn't made. But what you covered at this year's conference was such important information for the women that attended your uh, segment, Katie, because we talked about it for quite a while ahead of time here. There are so many things that people maybe don't realize um, that they need to be doing. Employment was a big one, a big topic you covered. Healthcare, we'll get into some of those, but just maybe start off with some of the very basic information that was important to share to these women. So um, we began covering the minimum wage because in Nebraska, we are in agriculture exempted from the minimum wage law, and a lot of us are not are exempted from the federal as well and so there is no minimum wage and so technically you don't have to pay them anything but what really should you be paying them in order to get good quality employees uh, we talked a lot about what the different kind of best practices along with the laws were for workers compensation as well and how it's not it's not required but it is an exclusive remedy which means in law that they can't go after anything else if you do have workers compensation insurance and so you save the farm the other big thing we talked about is how other benefits and things that you can, you may be required to pay, may not, that really benefit the employees and then the farm because they help you retain good employees like health insurance and time off. And the big, I think, theme that we kind of got to was that they are employees, not owner-operators, for a reason. And they don't want the uh, to work as hard as we do as owner-operators, and they don't want the cyclical nature. And so we have to really think about the fact that they are employees. They are not owners, and so they don't make decisions like we do. 
And these are some big nuggets. We could sit here all day and probably break them down, peel away the layers to each one of these. I want to talk about healthcare, though, because that is such a, a huge subject in agriculture right now. And when we talk about employees, um, and you and I visited about this ahead of time, uh, it's a it's a piece to attracting good workers, but also in this healthcare environment right now is just such a big step that maybe a lot of these employees don't really know or want to know how to handle and that's something an employer can really offer as a benefit not just the insurance itself but knowing how to work through it right so under the Affordable Care Act you are only required to offer health insurance if you're larger than 50 employees and what people don't know is if you don't offer it it's just a penalty that you pay to the IRS um, and I think it was like $3,500 this year. So it's actually less than paying the health insurance premiums. If you are less than that, you're not required to. But we, as we talked before, are both moms with little kids. And what employers and older generation doesn't understand is the cost of health care has increased so much that we are making decisions about whether or not to take our kids to the doctor based on how much money it costs. And so um, one of the analogies I gave in our com- our my talk was if you own a feedlot and someone's driving a feed truck for you and they're worried about their sick kid and whether or not they can take their kid to the doctor and pay the $500 for the RSV flu test because that's what it costs out of pocket they're not paying attention to whether that steer got up to eat and whether or not that was the same steer that got didn't get up yesterday and so what you're doing is you're taking a lot of stress off of your employees and making it easier for them to do a better job for you Um, paying the premiums is really helpful and there's a bunch of different ways we can do it you can outright pay them Um, you can do an health reimbursement account where you put the money in and they can pay their premiums out of it but bigger than that with a lot of these employees is helping them navigate the system so sit down if if you can't do a um, employer-based plan and you're sending them to the marketplace sit down and help them fill out the marketplace application I shared with them that I've had to do it twice in the last six months and have yet to get it right the first time I as an attorney have to (laughs) fix it and call in and edit it and so it's a really complicated overwhelming process and so to kind of become the benefit manager really takes a load off of your employees and lets them be better employees for you for less money than you think it would be in dealing with these situations because you see the business side of it and you see how practical they want to be and a lot of times it's a bottom line decision is this something that I'm going to be able to afford to do are these benefits things that I'm going to be able to afford to do and from the business perspective sometimes it's so black and white then you get into the personnel side of it and it's not black and white there's so many gray areas so what is your um, biggest piece of advice when you start to try and mesh the two for the business and for the employee? Um, I think the biggest thing is anymore when I've talked to people it's to really get through their head that the employee is an employee and they're not an owner and so they don't think like you they don't want to think like you they don't want the work hour commitment they don't want the cyclical commitment like that's something I have a conversation with someone about almost every day and they're not your kids they're not your wife they don't want to to read your mind and so we've got to start like moving from it only being family to employing others I think we're having a big transition with that and then the other thing I have a lot of conversations with people and they don't really see is on the business side the retention of an employee and the impact that has on your farm and your bottom line is a little harder to label but like 
constantly having to train someone every year costs you more money and it's not as it's not as black and white but it costs you more money it costs you more time it costs you more energy and so really getting through to people's head that sometimes it's not just a dollar value but having someone that comes every year for 10 years brings you it brings an intangible effect that we can't necessarily put a dollar value on. Thank you so much, Katie Samples Dean, uh, Samples Dean Law, and she's here at the Women in Ag Conference for the Rural Radio Network. I'm Shaylee Peters. <laughs> It is time for our business report here on Midday on KRVN, about 5 till the top of the hour. Scott in here, Bob Brogan coming up in just a little bit. Let's take a look at uh, the markets. Uh, a little better day, but uh, the uh, stocks were on an upward turn for much of the day, but now have gone back down the hill. But let's take a look at the world markets. First of all, the Japanese Nikkei was down 179. The Hong Seng in Hong Kong was down 185. London's FTSE, outlier, they were up 24, and the German DAX index was down 15. Here in the United States, the 10-year yield is down a percentage point. Stocks, the Dow Jones Industrial Average flirting with 27,000 now as it's down 40 points. NASDAQ up 17, and the Standard & Poor is down 4 right now. Bob Rogan with more. Well, stocks rose solidly in early trading as investors regained an appetite for risk after a couple of days of heavy losses. The sharp drops, which wiped out the market's gains for the year, were brought on by worries over economic fallout from the virus outbreak that originated in China. Investors snapped up technology stocks in the early going today. Healthcare companies and banks also climbed. Bond prices fell and pushed yields higher as demand for low-risk assets ebbed somewhat. Sales of new homes jumped 7.9% in January to the fastest pace in more than 12 years. The Commerce Department says new homes sold at a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 764,000 last month, and that's the highest sales rate since July 2007, shortly before the U.S. economy slumped into the Great Recession. Firefighters have controlled a fire at a large refinery in Metro Los Angeles. The fire erupted last uh, Late yesterday, at the Marathon Petroleum Refinery in the city of Carson, firefighters were still pouring water onto part of the refinery this morning, but large flames from the fire had disappeared. No injuries were reported. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, the amount of damage not available. Disney has named Bob Chappick as its new CEO. Chappick most recently was chairman of Disney Parks, Experiences and Products. On Tuesday, Walt Disney Company made a surprise announcement. Bob Iger was stepping down as CEO immediately. Iger had steered the company through successful purchases of Star Wars, Marvel, and Fox's entertainment businesses. He'll stay as executive chairman through December 2021, the end of his contract. And uh, lots going on in the business world today, but it looks like stocks are at least coming back a little bit. Yeah, they've lost nearly 2,000 points the last couple days. That's your market report here on Midday.
look back at land prices in 2019 and what we can expect in 2020. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Randy Dickhoot is Senior Vice President of Real Estate Operations with the Farmers National Company. There was overall a little less land for sale, uh, which ends up being one of the supporting factors into uh, the steady uh, land prices that we saw in 2019, which was, I think, a surprise to most people because uh, with the lower com- continued lower commodity prices, with the China trade issues, with uncertainty around the Canadian-Mexican trade issues, uh, there there wasn't a as good a mood, uh, wasn't as positive a mood in farm and ranch country as there should be or would like to be and but it didn't affect uh land market you know the low interest rates continued we actually you know federal reserve lowered interest rates so the outlook there was to stay historically low so that and low supply land for sale and the mfp payment uh cash infusion that came throughout the end of 18 into 19 and now finishing up in uh, 2020 you know help uh, support the land market and land prices so those combination things i think held it steady despite all the weather woes and unplanted acres and whether there'd be a crop or not to harvest uh, kind of ended up keeping things fairly steady but it put uncertainty in the market so i think there was less that sold uh, that that we saw anyway uh, overall what are you seeing then as we start this whole this first quarter of 2020 it's been very interesting you know late harvest kind of moves the uh, farmers going into their lender to renew operating notes and so forth a little bit later because harvest didn't end up until november or, or after and some places it's not done yet like up in, in the north dakota so kind of delayed things but after the first of the year here that getting that uh, last 2019 mfp payment a little cash in the pocket of producers at a good time um, signing of the phase one of the chinese trade deal even though it'll be a while before we see the benefit of that i think everyone agrees on that that that's on down the road some it did put a little optimism I think, and since first year at our land auctions, we've seen for for good quality cropland, we've seen you know steady to slightly stronger prices. Um, the demand uh, from 1031 exchange buyers and from farmer buyers has been uh, pretty good, at least enough to bid up that land. So I think there's a little bit of optimism that has given an uptick to land prices. Is there concerns when it comes um, from the financial standpoint when, when they're going to need to get that lending money available? Oh, I think there continues in in areas and for individuals to be, you know, a lot of financial stress, you know, whether they didn't have as good a crop yields, didn't manage as well, or had, you know, you know the crop insurance and support payments didn't add up as well. Um, and the aftermath of the last several years of declining cash flows and working capital. That's my conversation with Randy Dickhoot. I'm Susan Littlefield, Liberal Radio Network.
Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Let's talk with these closing closing grain futures with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, taking a look here, we're now a trading session away from that first notice day, but we see a nice little resurgence in the meal and the soybeans today. Yeah, so we got good news. I guess good news for us. Uh, our Argentina's taxes are going up on their exports. They didn't mention corn, but they mentioned soybeans this morning. That they're going to go up from 30 to 35 percent, and that's essentially a tax on what they're charging the export mar- export buyers. So China will pay that. Anybody who wants to buy beans from Argentina um, will pay will pay that. And I think that's for soybean soybean meal as well. So um, that's that's helpful. Uh, doesn't help the currency at all, and I think that's what's kind of pressuring things, that combined with delivery. But I think as we move into 2020 here, uh, the prices on beans is just too low to attract any any additional acres. So if the demand is what they're saying, I mean, the report on the Ag Forum numbers were bullish, and we haven't really rallied. But to see this happen, and now you're getting some foreign competition that's going to be raising their prices, um, you know, there's only two bean stores here and here and there. So when their prices go up, ours should follow, and I think that was why you know, in two really nasty outside days uh, for other markets. Um, soybeans have stood strong, especially in that new crop trading at 9.12. So I feel pretty good about where we are here. Um, I guess once we get through the first notice day and delivery, I think, you know, you'll see May get a green light and maybe, maybe bump up into the, the 9.30s if, if we see some pressure here or some problems with uh, weather in Brazil. But um, outside markets are certainly going to weigh us down here in the near term. Then let's look at those rolls there in the Chicago wheat trade. March and in, in July of almost, or excuse me, March and September almost matching, while May and July start to match here in the middle. Anything to signal there? Well, I like to see how tight the spreads are, and I've mentioned that in the past. Here, this is this is usually the time we bottom. I, I would imagine it's going to be either tomorrow or Friday. Um, and and then you know the the buying shuts or the selling shuts off, and I, from what I'm hearing, deliveries are going to be light anyway. So um, it's it's obviously not the way we wanted to see it going here into the delivery. You're seeing you know widening spreads going in, going into it, but I think a lot of that has to do with just the the amount of bushels that are that are you know clearing, and then you know once those bin doors go shut again, it's it's um, I think you're going to see the markets bounce back. So the question will be for me is what do I do with 390 on May? You know, if May would come back. And trade 385, 390. Do you make that sale early in the delivery cycle? And I think you have to at this point, given what's going on globally. Again, we're talking with John Payne, senior marketing analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. You can learn more at their website, danielzagmarketing.com. danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, trading futures and options involves risk of loss, which may not be suitable for all investors. Please consider these risks before investing. And that'll do it for our midday program today on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, you can go to podcast at krvn.com. Brought to you by Divinity Motors. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Divinity Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DiviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Divinity deal.